Welcome to the eighth episode of Brutal Ends. I'm your host, Sarah Moore, and today we'll be talking about the Bavarian poisoner, Martha Merrick. Martha Merrick was a poverty-stricken widow and mother of two when she was arrested for the poisoning deaths of four people. Together with her husband, she had spent her way through an inherited fortune. Faced with poverty, they turned to fraud. But Martha had darker plans. Her ambitions for wealth would eventually lead her to poison her husband, lodgers, and her own children. This is her story. Martha Lowenstein Merrick was an orphan living in Vienna, Austria, when she was adopted by a poor couple. She was raised with love and little money. As a teenager, she took a position with a Vienna dress shop in 1919. A few years later, she met a wealthy department store owner named Moritz Fritsch. He took pity on the girl and made her his ward. Though decades her senior, 74-year-old Fritsch had few reservations, if any, in inviting the girl to his bed. The arrangement, though odd, was mutually beneficial. In exchange for sexual favors, Martha was sent to elite finishing schools in England and France. She wore expensive clothing and was in want of nothing. She was every day surrounded by upper-crust society and felt at home among them. She had found her place among socialites and intended to remain in those discerning circles. At the completion of her schooling, Martha returned to live with Fritsch. She was happy enough to spend his money and live in luxury, but love and lust entered her life when she met the young engineer Emile Merrick. The two began having an affair that was kept secret from Martha's rich benefactor. Eventually, Fritsch died, and, as he had promised her, he left his mansion and all his money to young Martha. Suddenly free and wildly wealthy, Martha and Emile reveled in their newfound riches. They married soon after, in 1924, and set about spending their money. Months later, they had exhausted the fortune and were forced to sell the mansion and a few valuables. Facing poverty and loath to sink into such a state, the two devised a plan of insurance fraud. Martha took out a policy on Emile, insuring him against all manner of accidents. The policy was valued at roughly $10,000. Once the policy was in place, the two arranged an accident. It was an extreme and gruesome plan that called for Emile to accidentally chop off his own leg with an axe while splitting firewood. In his attempt to cleave his own leg, Emile failed to do so in one swing. Semi-conscious and bleeding profusely, he called for Martha to finish the job. It took two more heavy whacks before she was able to separate the half-severed limb. It was a gruesome injury that seemed more than an accident, so the insurance company assigned a doctor to examine the wound. He found that three chops were used in the rough amputation, and that meant the accident had been staged. As a result of the findings, the Merricks, rather than receiving a payout, were charged with insurance fraud. Ever the resourceful woman, Martha bribed the attending nurse to say that the doctor had falsified the purport and had himself been bribed. The ploy succeeded, and the charges against Martha and Emile were dropped. The nurse, though, was unhappy and demanded more money from the payoff. 
When he was refused, he filed a report with the police that saw the Merricks sent to prison for four months for bribery. Oddly enough, the insurance company still settled with the couple and paid them roughly $3,000 for the accident, even though it had been proven as fraud. Once released from prison, the two relocated to Algiers, where they attempted to run several businesses, none of which ever took off and served to push them further into debt. They were so poor, in fact, that Martha sold vegetables on the streets. Then tragedy struck in 1932 when Emile died. The pain of sorrow and loss were eased, though, when Martha received a payment from his life insurance. It was ruled that Emile had died of tuberculosis. A few weeks later, Martha and Emile's daughter, Ingeborg, also died of tuberculosis. Fortunately, there was another life insurance policy on the girl, and payment was sent forthwith to the grieving mother. It was around this time that Martha's aging aunt, Susanna, asked Martha to move in and look after her in her old age. Martha did in fact move in and cared for her aunt. It was shortly after the new living arrangements were made that the old woman began experiencing strange symptoms. She had trouble swallowing and her limbs were numbed. She would succumb to her ailments within the month, and another insurance policy would be paid out to Martha Merrick. This death, too, was ruled as tuberculosis. After the death of her aunt, Merrick again found herself with a modest fortune and a fine house. But she was never a spendthrift, and the money was soon depleted enough that Merrick found it necessary to open the house to boarders. The first to rent from her was a man named Newman and a dowager named Kittenberger. The elderly woman died short after moving into the home, and another insurance payment was issued to Martha Merrick. It was a small payment, but enough to keep the lights on in the house for a short while. By 1937, though, Martha was again crippled by debt. In an attempt to make quick cash, she arranged for several of the expensive paintings in the house to be removed in the middle of the night. The art was relocated to a warehouse where it was kept safe, and Martha then filed an insurance claim and reported the paintings as stolen. The insurance company assigned Detective Ingetz Peters to the case. Ironically, Peters was also the detective that had invested the Merrick's earlier claim about Emile's amputated leg. Familiar with Merrick and her previous scam, Peters suspected another fraud. After canvassing Vienna warehouses, he soon found the missing artwork. Martha was then charged with fraud and imprisoned. The arrest made the newspapers, and it was after reading one of them that the son of Mrs. Kittenberger approached the police. He had suspected that his mother had not actually died of tuberculosis, but had in fact been murdered for insurance money. Detective Peters took the accusation seriously and ordered the body of Mrs. Kittenberger exhumed. The bodies of Emile, Ingenborg, and Martha's Aunt Suzanne were also exhumed for investigations. After examinations were complete, toxicology reports revealed that all of the people who had died in Martha Merrick's care had not died of tuberculosis. They had in fact died of poisoning, and the chemical that had killed each one was thallium. It was a rare chemical compound first discovered in 1861. 
After the discovery of poison, Detective Peters remembered that Merrick had a remaining child. Her son had been living with her until the arrest. She had also recently taken out an insurance policy on the boy. Detective Peters found the child ill and near death, suffering from the effects of thallium poisoning as his father and sister had before him. The detective rushed the boy to the hospital, where he was saved. Merrick was tried and found guilty of four murders. Her victims were her husband Emil Merrick, her daughter Ingeborg, her aunt Suzanne Lowenstein, and her lodger Madame Kittenberger. She was also suspected of poisoning an infant daughter and another lodger, but the accusations were never substantiated. Though she insisted on her innocence, she was condemned to death. Capital punishment had only recently been reinstated when Hitler and the Nazi Party had assumed control of the country. Martha Merrick was the first woman to be executed in the state of Bavaria in over 30 years. She was guillotined on December 6, 1938. That's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode about the Bavarian poisoner Martha Merrick. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, and feel free to leave us a comment as it helps others find us more easily. Help spread the word by liking us on Facebook or following on Twitter and Tumblr. On a side note, I'd like to send out a special thanks to the Dark Myths Collective. Dark Myths is a collective of podcasts and podcasters with a shared interest in humanity's shadow stories. From dark history to paranormal stories, Dark Myths is a fantastic collaboration, and I'm excited to be a part of it. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or an idea for a podcast, please send us a message at info at brutalends.com. Until next time!